definitely uh, have your faith encouraged like never before. I pray God has caused me to be some jet fuel to throw on the flames of your faith because of the message he's given me this morning. But before I get in there, I want to tell you a little funny story. There's this lady, she moved into a new city and she wanted the safest area to live. So she did a little research and she, uh, a lot of research. She found this uh, apartment complex in a part of town that uh, was supposed to be one of the safest parts of town. So she moves into her apartment and um, she's uh, so two, it's up to upstairs, downstairs. The living bedrooms were upstairs. The kitchen all was downstairs. The second night she was there, she hears some rumbling down in her kitchen. And uh, she's upstairs, it wakes her up, and, and she starts sneaking down the stairs, and she sees that there's a burglar in her kitchen. And she yells out, Acts 2.38! And he falls on his knees with his hands lifted up, and he stays there totally surrendered. She calls 911, the police come, and there when they get there, there he's in the kitchen on his knees with his hands raised. And as they're cuffing him, they said, why is it that you surrendered to this little lady and you didn't run? What was it that made you wait for us to get here? Most burglars would have run. He said, she said she had an axe and she had a 38 too. <laughs> so the scripture can work even for the ignorant of the scripture. Amen. I think I would have surrendered as well. <laughs> Back in 1992, and I've got people here that remember, uh, Pam and Mason, you guys uh, volunteered to come and actually help us make some phone calls. We had a little rundown chapel here. It was in bad shape. My little tiny building out back that was supposed to be a storage building that we turned into a call center. A lot of mud and a lot of uh, <clears throat> uh, mud and a lot of mud and a lot of mud. It was a muddy place, and people bogged down. It was, it was terrible. We put bales of hay uh, for a walkway to the back room so they could make calls back there and not get their feet so muddy. It was how it was. But we came here with a vision to start a church, and uh, it was exciting, and we were calling out to people who were unchurched, and uh, there was a little parsonage that sat here kind of close to the church, uh, embassy house, the little house that we just purchased here so we could get that land when it came up for available uh, We've been torn down since, but that's where I moved in. And this little parsonage, and, uh, just a little ranch there that the termites, I moved in with the termites and I moved in with the carpenter ants. And uh, they had eaten it up so bad that uh, three years later when I met Pastor Radika and we got married, I moved her in there and uh, we lived on a trampoline. The floors were like a trampoline. Well, we kept believing God, you know, oh, God's going to drop, drop a house from a neighborhood, maybe here in Mill Pond or somewhere. He's just going to drop a house in our lap. He knows what we need. He knows what we need. So we kept living there. Townsend was born. There was a huge mold issues in this house, and especially in his end of the house. And we were cleaning with Clorox, always trying to fight this stuff. And it was just getting worse and worse. And uh, the termite situation got worse and worse to where you had to walk around the edges of the wall. You couldn't walk through the middle. I got some contractors to come crawl under there. And so I said, go in there and put some, you know, some blocks or something and block it up so that we can not feel like we're falling through. And they crawled out all muddy and said, no, there's no, no way we can put blocks under there. I said, why? It shouldn't be that hard. I said, just go put some blocks up, uh, some floor joists there. They said, there are no floor joists. 
I said, there's no floor joists. They said, the termites have eaten them all. There's nothing but your hardwood floors, tongue and groove, holding you up. That's it. There's no structure under there. So we knew we had to do something. So I went to the Lord and I said, God, at that time we'd been there for 12 years. I'd been there three years and now Pastor Deacon, we've been married nine years. So 12 years I've lived in this house fighting this mold and all the situations and circumstances. Just knowing God knew what we needed, God should just drop it into our lap, but it never happened. So what happened is I got into Hebrews 11 and 1 where you know it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. And, and I got a revelation of that, 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 that now faith, now to see it come into the reality of now is, is based on hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And I got it, this is how I got the revelation, and it works for me. And God's no respecter of person, so it may work for you. So what I did is I said, God, I, if hope is the architect, and faith is the contractor that builds what hope has, has established, then I need to work on my hope. And I need to write my hope down. So I got down, and I just prayed, and the Lord gave me this picture and my head. So I drew this. This is a copy of it. I drew this here house, and I uh, got a front uh, elevation, rear elevation, right elevation, left elevation. I drew this house here, and then uh, I drew all of the floor plans. And I'm not an architect now, but I'm just, I am taking God at his word. And, and if he needed an architect, I'm drawing it out. I'm writing it down. There's the second floor, the first floor. There's uh, the pillars of where they are to be placed under the floor joist. And here's the electrical and the plumbing. So I just drew this out. And as I drew this out, this was, what we, this was my hope. And now 12 years of just, just thinking, maybe it'll happen. Maybe it'll appear. Maybe it, you know, God will just show mercy on me. I finally said, I got it. I need to do something. So I, wrote, I drew the, wrote the vision down. And as I wrote the vision down and made it plain, we went and claimed a piece of property. And we bought it, nothing but trees on it. And I would stand there where those trees were, and I would show those trees and that land. I'd show them this house. And I said, this house will be here. This house will be here one day. And I began to declare. So that was my hope. Now faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So now my faith had something to build towards. I, I could bring in the contractors and build towards it. And then physically, that's exactly what happened. We got the land, and then we, and the, the miracles started happening. The miracles of provision, the miracles of, of things aligning themselves. And we got, and I was the general contractor, but I hired a subcontractor. I said, we'll just get the footing in. We got the footing in, and then resources came in for us to frame it in. We, we'll frame it in. We got it framed in. Now we can, you know, it just, it just the miracles began to happen once we had hope and our faith attached to that hope and building towards it. So what went for 12 years in that parsonage just wishing something would happen when I wrote down the vision and I said enough of this wishing, it's time that my faith have something anchored to of hope and I took that which was hope, which hope is the architect Faith is the contractor, and then we moved in. I started this this year. I think the date on it is uh, December the 12th, two, uh, 2002. We moved in uh, second week in May of 2004. Right. Morgan was just born, just born, brought her from the hospital. So it took a year and a half 
but we had something moving towards. That, that year and a half was a whole lot better than the 12 years of nothing changing except deterioration. So I said, it's time to apply this to the church. Because I came here in 92 and just kept wishing something would happen. Wishing a contractor would come in and say, you know, we're going to build this church. I, I, or wishing these multi-millionaires would come in and say, whatever it takes, let's just go ahead and build the church. We were in a small chapel. We had outgrown the chapel. We, we knew we weren't to spend a lot of money in fixing up the chapel because we were to build. So I took this same principle and I went to the architect. And I went to the architect. It had been 20 years since 1992 to 2000, uh, it was uh, August of 2012. It had been 20 years of just wishing something would happen. But having experienced that with my house, with that revelation, I said, now it's time to do something with this church. So we went to the architect and we said, this is what we want you to draw. Because I learned I couldn't draw a commercial architectural plans. The, the city wouldn't allow that. They allowed me to do my house, but they wouldn't allow me to do it. Had to have a licensed uh, board certified architect. The architect said, well, here's what you do. You take your chapel and we'll do a shed. It's called a shed. We'll do a shed on the south side. We'll do a shed on the north side. We can even wrap it on the west side and do a shed. We can actually even put a front porch and everything on it and we can, that's what you do what you can afford and how you can go. I said, no, 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 no. That's not the vision. I said, I said, my faith, my now faith is the substance of things hoped for. I got to give you what my hope is. Uh, not just the survival, not just the next day. I got to give you the vision. God said him to write it down plain. He said, well, you can't do that. That's not how you do it. I said, we were crammed in a little over uh, under 800 square feet. In a, in a house for 12 years, a house we had to share with the church for offices and classroom space. And that's where my family was for 12 years. And I got a revelation. And now we're in our home. I'm telling the architect this. And I says, and we went from less than 800 square feet to multiples over that. We didn't do what the normal staging is because that wasn't the vision. And I said, we're not going to do that here with the church. I said, God's given us a vision of what we're to do. And we're, we need you to draw it. He says, well, I'm just telling you, you, you kind of, you're foolish. You, I'm, I'm, I'm being nice. I'm being nice. We left there almost crying because we felt like, are we that stupid? Are we that stupid where the real world looks at us as that stupid? And then we said, Pastor Dick and I, we were riding together. We said, so be it. If we're stupid for the Lord, let's just be stupid for the Lord. We're just going to stand in faith. And we need, our faith needs a substance. It needs hope. We need it drawn out. So we told him, you can do it or we'll get somebody else. And he said, I'll do it. And, and these are the plans here. And they, they came to us in August of 2012 is what the date here of the plans. So August of 2000, it had been 20 years. So now we've got our hope. This is the, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Our hope is our architectural drawing. We got what we're hoping for. And then we had full color pictures made of our building. 
And the architect, you know, he gave us a rendering and it looked like a hospital. And we're like, yeah, we are healing rooms, but we don't want to be just a hospital. So then, you know, we feed people the word of God. So then it came back and it looked like a grocery store. And we're like, no, no, no. We want to feed people the word of God and we feed people food, but we're not a grocery store. Uh, we are also entrepreneurial and in, in, uh, in marketplace ministry. So it came back and it looked like a, an architect, a, a, an office building. We're like, no. And he's like, Oh, I don't know what you want. And I said, well, the vision God gave me is an embassy. And the embassy, I said, I think I got a micro, uh, uh, smaller vision of it with our house. So I gave him a picture of our house. I said, put this in proportion on the church and let's see what that looks like. So he did. And we're like, that's it. That's it. That's the embassy. That's it. So then we had those full-color boards. You can go see them in the Welcome Center. They're on each end of the Welcome Center counter, right? even today. Those hung in the chapel, if you remember. And we put a picture over the head as well. And we said, this faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the hope is our architectural plans. This is where we're going. This is what we're going to do. We're not going to do a lean-to here, and a little wooden shed here, and a little porch here. We're going to do what God showed us to do. And it's going to take a miracle for it to happen. But we know God is a God of miracles. And the only reason we limit His miracles is because we don't put a demand on His miracles. So we're learning how to do it. So you guys, praise God, you and the first service, you guys, y'all stuck with us. And you're like, yes, we can do it. And here we're going from a little 2,000 square feet to a 30, 30, 33,000 square feet. And you never, you, none of you, if you did, you didn't let me know. And I'm glad you didn't let me know because I'd have rebuked you. Okay? And, uh, <laughs> but you, you're like, we can do it. And we've done it. And we've been here now several years to God be the glory. But this isn't the end of life. This isn't in the end of life. I tell you what, I'm here today to stir somebody's faith and to get somebody's hope living again so that we can pull on heaven and see a miracle. We serve a miracle working God, but we're not seeing the miracles manifested here on earth because I believe we're not asking big enough. We're not believing big enough. Our hope doesn't draw the architectural plans of that which God shows us should be ours so that our faith can attach itself to it and move in that direction. So I've entitled my message today, We need some big mouth Christians. We need some big mouth Christians. Okay. We need some big mouth Christians. Yeah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. John 14 and 12 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Now who's saying this? Jesus is saying this. Jesus is saying most assuredly, don't even doubt it. Don't even doubt it. Don't you let circumstances cause you to doubt it. Don't you let what your uh, friend went through cause you to doubt it. Don't even let the circumstances you're currently going through cause you to doubt it. Most assuredly, I say to him who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified. When I drive up to my house now, I say God is glorified in this miracle. When I drive up on this campus, I say God is glorified in this miracle. And when a miracle is manifested in and through your life, where God and only God can get the credit, you can say God is glorified. Anybody got a place in you right now? Anybody at a place in your life where you need a miracle? 
miracle where you need a miracle and you don't mind God getting all the glory for it, well then you're in the right place, I'm telling you today. You're in the right place at the right time for what God would want to do in and through you for this hour. Hallelujah. He goes on in Psalms 81 and 10 and he says, I am the Lord thy God. I love this scripture. I love this scripture. It is one of my most favorite scriptures in the Bible. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide. We need some big mouth Christians. Open your mouth wide. Look at somebody and say, come on now. Open your mouth wide. And what did God say? I will fill it. Hallelujah. I will fill it. He tells us in Jeremiah 33 and 3, He said, I want you to call on me. Call on me and I will answer you. And I'll show you great and mighty things which you do not know. We got more confidence in dialing 911 that we will get an ambulance in five to seven minutes at our house with paramedics that will try and save our life. We've got more faith in that than we have calling Jeremiah 33 and 3. God said, this is the 911 you should call. Call on me and I will answer you. They'll never be a busy signal I'll answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know God delights in answering prayers he delights in it he God is the infinite and the almighty God and he delights in answering prayers hallelujah he not only has all power, He showed us that by creating the heavens and the earth, He has all love. He showed that in sending His only begotten Son. He loves you. The devil tells you you're an exception. You can't get your miracle. The devil will tell you you're not worthy. The devil will tell you it's for somebody else. The devil's a liar. It's time to call him the liar. He is. He's a liar. God wants to do a miracle in and through your life. 8, 8, Romans 8.32, he says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us what? All things, all things. So God is able and God is willing to answer big prayers for mighty things. We just need to say, supersize it. Supersize it. Come on now. You go to McDonald's. Okay, you got to be careful. You go supersize this right here, and that might kill you, okay? But you come, <laughs> you come over here and supersize your prayer, and you'll get delivered, and you'll get healed, and you'll get promoted, and you'll get to see the mighty hand of God at work in your life. So often, we fail to ask. But I pray this morning that this crazy preacher will cause you to have a stirring within your spirit and to throw away despondency and to throw away despair and to throw away disappointment and say, wait a minute, the devil wants me to look at the wind and the waves and sink, but I see Jesus still walking on the water and he wants me to walk on the water too. My God is my, my healer, my provider. Amen. Let's not fail to ask. Man, man was once praying. He had some serious, serious problems and he's praying and he said, Lord, it may seem like I'm asking an awful lot here. But oh God, if you will hear just this one time, I'll never ask you for another thing. Now that sounds like a good prayer, but it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Like we're going to exhaust God's infinite supply. How in the world do you think we're going to insult God like God, you have a limit? One time I was praying. It was pathetic. 
Oh, God, if you just, I forget the exact details of it, but it was just like, God, if you'll do this, I won't bother you for the rest of the week. And then I remember I said, God, I won't even bother you for the rest of the month. If you'll just do this one thing. He shook me. He shook me, and he spoke my language. I had spent some time uh, in electrical field and heating and air field, and I understood compressors and capacitors and what capacitors do in helping a compressor get uh, started so that as it pulls on the amperage of an electrical uh, source uh, that it doesn't trip breakers or shut things down, but that, that you know, capacitor helps it get it going, and once it's in motion, then everything goes back to normal. That's why if you've ever noticed in your house when the air conditioner cuts on, that compressor cuts on, your lights will dim just a second. And that capacitor helps it get going and everything goes back. So God spoke my language. He said, Tim, I want you to picture the billions of people around the globe and every one of them has a state-of-the-art uh, heating and air conditioning central system. Everything, picture it. And I'm like, wow because I love air conditioning. I went into the field because I grew up in the farm and without air conditioning, and I don't like heat. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I chose to serve the Lord, so I don't have to go to hell, because I heard it's hot there. Man, I don't like the heat. And I grew up, when I was a little boy, I said, if I, you know, we grew up watching Fred Sanford, you know, Sanford and Son. And I said, and I said this before, I said, Lord, I remember a little boy, I said, when I grow up, I want to learn how to build an air conditioner. Even if I have to go to Fred Sand, I thought it was a real place. Even if I have to go to Sanford and Son and get the parts, I said, I want to build an air, I want to know how to build. I don't want to live hot the rest of my life. And here I go into that field and I learn that field, how to repair and do that kind of stuff. So the Lord speaks in my language. This is, this is really to my, at my heart, okay? And he said, picture billions of people around the world. All of them had the best of units, and it's hot, and it's summer, and they all turn their thermostats on at the same time, and all of the compressors and all of the houses and all of the commercial buildings and all of the world come on at the same time. Could you picture how the, the electrical grid would dim? I said, yes, Lord. It would probably trip every breaker known to man. And he says... The way I operate, he said, the lights would not even flicker. He said, that's how powerful I am. If every billions of people in the world were to pull on God with the greatest miracle they needed in their life, at the same moment, heaven would not even dim one second to release the power that is needed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why Matthew 13 and 58 states, He did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. The power was there, the mighty works were ready, but their unbelief kept them from flowing into their life. I believe the same is true for us today. We miss out on so many of God's mighty works because of our unbelief or we think we're troubling God or we think that God's on a budget. But I'm here to tell you, you need to amp up your hope today. You need to get your architectural drafting board out and get your ruler out and get your pencil out and you need to start drawing. You need to start writing down the vision and, and say this is what I'm hoping for. This is what I, and make it big, make it big, make it big and then your faith becomes the contractor that builds the bridge to that hope to bring it to pass in and through your life. God wants you to pray big. God wants you to pray big. That's why He reveals to us in His resume. Did you know God wrote a resume for us. 
Now, I've had a business and for many, many years, and we've had hundreds, maybe thousands of resumes come through my desk over the years and people telling us what they've done and what they can do and how they can bless our company and so forth. And even in the ministry, resumes for the ministry. And in looking here, I was reading this years ago, and it's like, wow, God gives us His resume in Psalms 81 and 10. He says, I am the Lord your God. And then he goes back with some references here. He says, I'm the one who brought you out of Egypt. I'm the one, Pharaoh, most powerful Pharaoh in all of history, the most powerful country in all of history, had you bound for 400 years, but I stepped in and I delivered you. I sent plagues that they could not combat, and I brought you through a Red Sea on dry land. I brought you into a wilderness and fed you bread from heaven for 40 years and water out of the rock of a desert to quench your thirst for 40 years. I brought you to the Jordan River and crossed over on dry land and I caught, brought you around the walls of Jericho and with a shout they came tumbling down he says I'm the God that's me that's me open your mouth wide and I will fill it he's like I'm looking for a job I'm looking for a job here's what I've done here's what I want to do here's what I can do I just need you to open your mouth wide so I can fill it praise God this is the kind of God we serve so I want us to look at several undeniable truths about prayer. And the first one is, God is just as willing now. Say now. He's just as willing now as He was then to work a miracle on behalf of His people. He tells us in Malachi 3 and 6, For I am the Lord, I do not change. If I open blinded eyes then, I'll open blinded eyes now. If I raise them from the bed of affliction then, I can raise you from the bed of affliction now. If I cause the lame to walk then, I can cause the lame to walk now. If I cause supernatural resources to come to meet every need according to my riches and glory then, I can meet your need to now. If I turn the situation and the circumstance around then for your good, I can turn the situation and circumstance around now for your good. I'm the same God. I'm the same God for for I am the Lord, I do not change. Hallelujah. He reminds us of that. He wants to do something big in your life today. I believe you're here on assignment. I believe God sent you here by His Spirit today so that, that, that this crazy preacher could talk to you from a powerful Word of God, by the anointing of the Spirit of God. And when I say crazy, I mean crazy for Jesus. Crazy in a good way. I'm not declaring I'm crazy and don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just crazy for the Lord because God, He is good. Hallelujah. And He's willing now to do anything you've seen Him do in the past. He's willing to do it now. Right now. Somebody's here. You need a miracle. It's big. It's big. He specializes in that which is big. Second undeniable truth about prayer is we have little because we ask little. He tells us in James 4 and 2, you have not because you ask not. Twelve years I lived in that house and it was getting smaller and smaller, weaker and weaker. And I'm like, God, you know what I need. God, you know what I need. God, you know what I need. I stayed out of faith and hope. I'm just saying, trying to be humble, you know. God, whatever you want me to have, if this is what you want me to have, if this is what it takes to keep me humble, then, you know, and I step on that floor and I go, ooh, that's, that's bad. That's worse than it was yesterday. And I step over here to get over to the bathroom. The tub was falling through. And I was like, oh, don't stand on that end of the tub. Got to stand back here and kind of counterbalance it, you know. Uh, so it was, it, was, it was in bad shape. 
But I'm telling you, the day I understood this and got the revelation, God wanted me to ask. He wants to see me trust him. He wants to see me put my dependence in him. He wants me to lean on him. George Mueller, I mean, if you've ever studied a great man of faith in the scripture, I mean, in, in church history, George Mueller was amazing. And, and it's co- so cool when I saw, was reading about him one day and I saw that Psalms 81.10 was his favorite verse too. And I'm like, he's a good dude. He and I, we could be brothers. Now, he was in the 1800s, so, you know, we didn't get to know each other. But he's probably known to be one of the greatest missionaries to ever live. He felt God called him to missionary school, but he didn't have any support. So what do you think he did? He said, I believe my God is a God that hears and answers prayer. So he started praying. And as he's praying, the day came, the Lord said, I want you to go and register. So he gets up and answered, you know, obey the prayer that God has given him. He goes and he registers. He's standing in line to register. And while he's standing in line, he doesn't have any money. But while he's there, he's like, Lord, I know you are my provider. And I just thank you in advance. And a gentleman came up and put something in his pocket. And he was embarrassed to pull it out in front of the gentleman and look at it, see what it was. So he just stays there and he gets up to the registration table and they tell him how much it is to get registered for school. He reaches in his pocket and he pulls out what the gentleman had just put in there and it was to the penny exactly what he needed to get registered. Praise God. When he finished missionary school, he goes before the board and they deny him because they say, we looked at your your application and we wanted to know what you've done all your years in the first 30 years of life. You were such a sinner that we're going to deny you. Can you imagine that? Man, all of us would be disqualified, right? Every one of us would be disqualified if we went before we knew Christ, the stuff we've done and thought and should have done and didn't do. So what do you think he did? He says, that's what you say. I'm going to see what God says. And he goes to prayer. And as he's praying, the Lord said, I want you to go to this particular country and this particular city in this country. So when he, he said, okay, God. So he goes and makes arrangements and he goes to this particular country and this particular city. When he gets there, he's looking for a church so he can meet some Christians there. And there's only one church in this little town. So he goes to this church and they're all sad. He's like, wow, this saddest Christians in this country I've ever seen. So he finally, uh, after uh, the little humble, and I mean, bump, fumble, bumble of, of a service, he said it was just, it was really not much going on there. Uh, they dismiss, and he's asking someone, why is everybody so sad? Did somebody die? And they said, no, our pastor resigned unexpectedly last week, and we don't have a pastor. He said, well, I just graduated from missionary school, and they said, you're our pastor. And his ministry began right there. When he got in there, he learned over the weeks that the rich folks were renting the seats up front. And that was how they were paying the bills. And they got the prominence and they were, look at these rich folks, look at these rich folks. Yeah. And the poor folks sat in the back. Oh, you poor pitiful people back there. But he said, ah, that's not God's word. So he started teaching on tithing and giving and offerings and cheerfulness and, and, and honoring God with first fruit. And he did away with that practice. And the church began to flourish like it had never in its history. Man, these folks loved him, except for those that lost their front seat. Now they had to get there early to get the front seat. And then as the money kept pouring in, the Lord says, with the excess, I want you to start an orphanage. 
He says, yes, God, I'll start an orphanage. So uh, he says, we've got enough to get uh, to start uh, doing some exploring and stuff like that. But but God, this is a big need. Send a big gift. And he opened his mouth wide. And he says, within weeks, this new couple came into the church, heard the vision, the architectural plans of the orphanage, and said, we are very wealthy, and we feel God would have us give this amount to the building of this orphanage. And it was enough to get that orphanage started. Hallelujah. I mean, he is called modern-day apostle of prayer. He received and dispersed over seven and a half million dollars. Now, this is in the 1800s, so you can imagine what that would translate into today. And he never begged for one dime. He only shared vision, and God moved mightily through prayer and brought the faith through people that would help build the vision to capacity. He established over 117 schools. Can you imagine that? educated over 120,000 children, and the majority of them being orphans. And he had to trust daily for their clothes, for their food, and he just prayed. And he asked big, and God always met the need. George Mueller said, I learned to open my mouth wide. He said, because as wide as I could open it, God would fill, fill it to capacity. So when he died at 93 years and eight months old, he had lived 63 years and eight months for the Lord. And those first 30 years that he got discredited in, in them uh, approving him for his ordination, let me tell you what, what God did in the latter was so much greater than the former. And there's a word for some of you here right now that what God is going to do going forward, your latter is going to be greater than your former. The things you're going to experience going forward is not going to be like what you've experienced leading up to this time. What you've seen God do in the past is amazing, but what you're going to see Him do going forward is going to be even greater. It's going to be magnificent. It's going to be mind-boggling what the Lord is going to do because that leads us to our third point. God wants to do the great and mighty things. God wants to. It's His desire. Jeremiah 33 called to me and I will answer you and show you the great and the mighty things which you do not know. God exhorts us to call on Him so He can show us great and mighty things. Great, gadol, is the Hebrew word. It means large in number, intensity, and importance. Mature things, important things. Look at that. Great, gadol, large in number, much intensity, huge importance. Let me tell you, is there something in your life today that is of huge importance? Is there something in your life today that maybe needs great intensity? If not, things are not going to turn out really well. I'm telling you what, God says, I'll do the great and the mighty. That's all which are the secrets, the mysteries, the strong things. In other words, man can't figure it out. Doctors can't figure it out. Accountants can't figure it out. Lawyers can't figure it out. Judges can't figure it out. They're just, this is just how God did it. And, and He is the only one can get the glory for it. Hallelujah. It was there. It's not there. Nobody can explain it except God. Hallelujah. I had this need. Nobody can meet this need. But the need was met. Who gets the glory? God. Hallelujah. So that's the mighty things that He wants to do in and through our lives. He said, Jeremiah, I need you to pray big because I want to do big things. I want to do great things. I want to do mighty things. Man, Jeremiah and those were in a, they were in a pickle, if I could say it that way. 
What had happened is the Chaldeans under Nebuchadnezzar had surrounded Jerusalem and besieged it and uh, as uh, they cut off all of their supplies. So their waters run out, their foods run out, they're into the place of starvation and now they built these ramps and the soldiers are about to come across the walls, over the walls and literally destroy them. They had sudden death right there. Almost starvation, weak, Uh, The weapons were were not to compare with the weapons of the army coming against them. There was no way out. And in Jeremiah 32 and 17, he says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power. I don't know if y'all remember that song, maybe late 70s, early 80s. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your outstretched arm. There is nothing too difficult for you. Nothing too difficult for you. You're a great and mighty God. Great in counsel and mighty indeed. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing is too difficult for thee. It comes right here from the 17th verse of what Jeremiah was saying to God. He's like, God, they're coming in to kill us. We're about to starve to death. Sickness is here. Disease is here. We have been cut out of our water. We're about to thirst to death. And the armies around us is greater than we are. And they're going to destroy us, but I'm looking at you, God. I need to deliver. I need the mighty heavenly host. I need God. You have made the heavens and the earth and your great power and your outstretched arm can reach into any circumstance and every situation. There's nothing too hard for you. And Jeremiah reminded God of this. And in verse 26 and 27, God answers. And then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Here's God's response. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? I'm telling you, it's time that we put out our architectural plans and say, God, I've got plans here without you. It can't be done. You are the God that's going to bring forth the supernatural resource, the supernatural power, your outstretched arm. If there's going to be deliverance, it's only coming from you. If there's going to be healing, it's coming from you. If there's going to be breakthrough, it's coming from you. If there's going to be freedom, it's coming from you. If there's going to be promotion, it's coming from you. Lord, it's your outstretched arm. I'm looking to to come into this situation and come into this circumstance and to turn it around because there's nothing too hard for you. And God replies, you're right. I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. There is nothing too hard for me. God God wants to do the great and mighty things. The next undeniable uh, truth about prayer is nothing shall be impossible. Look at somebody and say nothing. Look at the other one. Say nothing. Look at the person that you really would like to fight with, but you say nothing. No, 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 no. Nothing shall be impossible. Matthew 17, 20, Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, look at that mustard seed. It looks like a little piece of pepper, you know, that hadn't been ground up, black pepper that hadn't been ground up. He said, if you've got the faith of a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Hallelujah. The, 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 the disciples couldn't cast a demon out of a little boy. And the little boy, he's, he's a lunatic. He's throwing himself in the fire. He's throwing up. He's, he's rolling around. It was such a physical, outward a spectacle. They couldn't help but see it. And it, and it stirred them. It, it shook them. And, and, and now they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, why couldn't we cast the demon out? We've cast other demons out. Why couldn't we help this little boy? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. He says, basically, 
Faith, when Jesus talks about little faith, he doesn't mean necessarily the size of faith is why we can't receive because he tells us the size of faith only has to be the size of a mustard seed. So when he talks about little faith, if you'll study it in the original language, it means faith that was short-winded. Faith that started the race. And so, yes, yes. <sighs> you know. He fed the multitude. He tells the disciples, get in the boat, go to the other side. Storm comes up. What's happening? They're all, he's asleep. And they, they're upset. You're going to sleep? We're going to die? And he rebukes them. Rebukes the wind and the waves. And he rebukes them for their little faith. You just saw a miracle of a little boy's lunch feed tens of thousands of people, men and women and children. And I said, we're going to the other side. I said, we're going to the other side. That's why I can sleep, because my words have drawn the plans and my faith is pulling this boat through the storm to the other side. Why are you of little faith? Not... Size-wise, it's this, the, the, the pebble, the little mustard seed. But a faith that started the race and got short-winded really fast. I want to be the one. Any of you do the walk and do these runs, you know, and as you're running and you get to a certain mile marker, there's people there with some Gatorade and they're handing it to you. You know, they used to be runners, but now they're like, okay, my running days is over. And they hand in you Gatorade, and that Gatorade or whatever it is just picks you back up and gets you going again. I want to be handing you the Gatorade today because I know life is hard, and I know life is not fair. And I know the devil is trying to kill, steal, and destroy. I know he's doing it. He's doing it against you and you and you and you and you. He's doing it. And the temptation we have is not small faith because all it takes is a mustard seed size, but it's little faith. Where the circumstances, the wind and the waves get our attention, the lunatic boy, the, the circumstances, the pain, the, 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 the lack of funds or whatever it is that you can actually see causes you to get winded. Maybe it's not for me. Maybe it's not for me. The devil is a liar. God says, my resume is, I want you to open your mouth wide so I can fill it. I want to do great and mighty things in your life. Just call on me, he says, because he wants you to know nothing shall be impossible. Boy, quickly going on, all things are possible to you who believe. That's the next point there from Mark 9, 23. Jesus said unto him, if you can believe, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. So what I had to do is I had to work really hard in drawing every detail and measuring out to the, to the uh, nth of an inch all of my plans because I believed. Others would say, you're not an architect. You can't do this. Why are you wasting your time? Because I believed. I believed. And there were times I'd get discouraged and I'd set it aside. And then the Lord, I would talk to Him and He says, do you not think that I can help you build the house of your dreams? Pull out those papers and I'd pull 
pull them back out and I'd, I bought me a drafting table and I'd get everything set back up and I would start drawing again and I'd start measuring again and I'd say, no, I don't want that door flowing this way. I want it flowing this way. No, when I'm sitting at my table and I got the bar here and both chairs are pulled out, I want people to be able to pass through with both chairs paired out. In my kitchen, when that island is there, I need a certain distance there. When somebody's working at the island, there's somebody else can pass by and somebody's working at the counter, somebody can go in between. So I'd lay out sticks and I would lay out stuff and I'd measure it and I'd say, that's the, that's the counter, that's the island and that's the peninsula. And I would say, okay, if I'm here and I'd put a stick there and if I'm here, I'd put a stick there. Then I'd say, can I walk through here? Nope. And I'd change the plan. I was being so detailed because let me tell you what, I believed. I, kept, I said, I'm going to point, hold out the details because I believe God is going to bring it to pass. And you know what? It came to pass and it came to pass better than what I even drew into plans. Hallelujah. Let me tell you what. you got to have people around you that help you stay in the believe zone. Okay? Because the devil's trying to get you in the unbelief zone. He's trying to get you discouraged. He's trying to get you to look at the winds and the waves. You need a preacher. You need a pastor. You need some people in your church. You need some people in your family who says we're not giving up. It's that if there's no breath in the body, we're not giving up. We know that God can do in a second what man could never do in a lifetime and he's a miracle working God and all things are possible if we believe. Hallelujah. And God doesn't want to just do anything. He says in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, Now to him who is able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. So he's telling us he's able to do above all that we ask. He's able to do above all that we ask, but we need to ask and we need to keep asking and we need to seek and we need to keep seeking and we need to knock and we need to keep knocking because He's able to do above all that we ask and He's not able to do above all that we think, but He's not only able, He says He's abundantly able. Hallelujah. And He's not only abundantly able, He's exceedingly abundantly able to do all that we could ask or think. I'm here to help you believe. I'm here to help you believe. That father says, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I think we all can identify with that and how great it is to have a church like you that can come alongside and help our unbelief so that we can believe. And then praying, number six, praying big helps God's work. God's called us as a church to change this world. Now that sounds impossible to man. But I know God has given us an assignment of how He wants us to impact the world. And we're reaching, as you look at these flags all around in the nations that we have ministered in and ministry in even to this day, and all that we do, we are touching the world. But this is only a small taste of what God wants to do. God has deposited in my heart that we are to spearhead a covenant keepers that will become a global movement in bringing revival to this world. Amen. A covenant keepers that will bring in the man, will bring in the woman, will bring in the children, and will teach on the covenants of God that we have in Christ Jesus, that better covenant that's been given to us through the better blood by a better high priest, Jesus Christ himself. Hallelujah. 
how all this is going to happen, I'm asking God to help me write the plans. And as we're writing the plans, then we will bring in our faith, we'll take hold of the hope. This is, we're putting down the, the hope, and then we've got faith as the contractor that's going to take the architectural plans of hope and bring it to pass. And you're going to be a part of that. You're going to be a part of that. We're praying big because God's work is huge and the world is huge and you and I can be a part of it. And then finally, praying big helps the saints. It helps you. There was this uh, going back into slavery days. What a horrible, horrible, terrible time in our country. Thank God there came Lincoln's proclamation and slavery was over. But there was this one uh, servant who uh, served his master, and his master was really good to him. And the proclamation came, and slavery is over. And the master said, you know, uh, Henry, you've been so good to me. He says, I, I, I want you, I beg you to stay. I'll employ you to stay until I die. Help me. And Henry says, well, sir, you've been very good to me. I, I'll stay. So he stayed and took care of him until he passed away. And then Henry goes in. Is he living in his little tiny home? He never had much. Uh, now he doesn't have a salary. And he is trying to cut grass and chop up kindling and trying to make a little money just to buy some food. His house is in disrepair. His clothes are worn and tattered. And, and then he gets older and he can't cut grass anymore. And he can't split kindling anymore. And now he's struggling just to eat. And a friend told him one day, he said, you know, when you work for so-and-so, he said he was going to leave $500,000, I mean $5,000 in the bank for you. Now, this is back in the day when it would be about $100,000 today. So he says, you've got $100,000 is in a bank account in your name. He said, yeah, he said that. He said, well, why don't you draw on that? That's yours instead of being here hungry. So he said, you think I should? Yes, you should. So Henry goes to the bank and, and he shuffles up to the teller and takes his hat off and he's nervously spinning it in his hand and he finally gets up the nerve and he says, uh, um, my name is Henry such and such and, and Mr. So-and-so's left me some money in the bank here. Could I get 50 cents? I need to buy some food. And the teller pulls up his information and says, yeah, you got $100,000. You can get $100,000 if, if you want. It's yours. He says, no, 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 just 50 cents. I just need to eat. So she does a withdrawal slip and he puts his mark by it and gets his 50 cents and he's smiling as he shuffles out to go buy him some groceries, leaving $999,050. And you know what? When I read that story, I said, that's how a lot of Christians live. That's how a lot of, I know I've lived that way a lot of my life where God has provided everything in and through His Son, Jesus Christ. And here I am thinking I'm being a bother, that I'm, I'm in some way or another being a, 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 a bother to God to make a withdrawal on it. Whereas Jesus says, I took stripes upon my back for your healing. I took thorns upon my brow to get the poverty curse off of you. I took a beating and bruising of my face and my body being kicked and beaten and bruised so that I was not even recognizable, so that I would bleed under the skin, so that my blood would redeem every brokenness under your skin. A broken heart, a brokenness of life. He said, I took a spear at my side to show you my heart burst. I died of a broken heart so that I could heal your broken heart. 
He said, you think I did all of this, dying on that cross, on a cross, the cruelty of a cross, so that the curse would come on me because in Deuteronomy 23 it says, a curse comes on him who hangs on a tree. I had to get the curse off of you. So they couldn't stone me and kill me. They couldn't throw me off the cliff and kill me. They couldn't with the the beating kill me. They couldn't with the cat of nine tails kill me. I couldn't die there. I had to die on this cross. The cruelest way to die so that I could redeem you from the curse and get the blessing on you. And here we're going to shuffle up and say, can I get a 50 cents off of this? When he says, I did all of this for you. Come on now. Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. That's what Jesus said. Again, open your mouth wide. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt. Let's pull that scripture up so they can see it. I am the Lord, your God. I, not Pastor Tim, God speaking, I brought you out of your Egypt. Anybody here been delivered out of an Egypt? Anybody here been delivered from bondage of sin? Anybody ever been delivered by the hand of God? I'm the one who did it. He said, but I'm not done with you. I'm not done with you. I want you to open your mouth wide so I can fill it. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. I want you to just come before the Lord right now. And I want you to cry out to God. And I want you to make your request known to Him. I need a concert of prayer in here. I need prayer vibrating the very walls of this place. Begin to cry out to God. God, I stand here today. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your power. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you, God. You're the miracle-working God. You're the God of deliverance. You're the God of breakthrough. And I need a breakthrough in my life. I need healing in my body. I need provision in my family. Whatever it is, make your request known. God, I'm opening my mouth wide. I need a miracle today, God. You're the miracle working God. You're the only miracle working God. My hope is establishing this plan, Lord God. And now my faith is reaching out to you to bring it to fruition, to bring in my healing, to bring in my strength, to bring in my breakthrough to bring in my provision to bring in the anointing to bring it in hallelujah i'm opening my mouth big right now lord i'm asking you to come in and fill it in the name of jesus i want to praise you for it lord i want to praise you right now for my breakthrough i want to praise you i believe i believe just tell him i believe i believe the devil's tried to discourage me circumstances has tried to discourage me Life has tried to discourage me. Uh, Waiting has tried to discourage me. Delay has tried to discourage me. Others' reports have tried to discourage me. But I encourage myself in the Lord this day. And I say, if God be for me, who can be against me? And greater is he who is in me than he was in the world. I will not be denied. I'm not going down without a fight. I'm not going out without a fight. Because I know my Redeemer lives. Even though the canker worms may come and eat my flesh, 
I know there's a resurrection power, there's a healing virtue, there's a miracle in the making for me, and I'm going to come up out of this pain, and I'm going to come up out of this loss, and I'm going to come up out of this situation for the glory of God. And before it even happens, I'm going to thank you now, God. Before it even happens, I'm going to exercise my faith and say, praise you, Lord. I praise you for my healing. I praise you for provision. I praise you for the breakthrough. I praise you for the joy. I praise you for the victory. I praise you, Lord God. I'm not turning back. I'm running with perseverance. No little faith. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep running. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep praising. I'm going to keep giving you thanks. I'm going to keep honoring you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory.